0: I'm the
1: Welcome, everybody, to Broadcast Team Alpha, where we bring you cutting-edge conversation while exploring the quantum possibilities. And I know that I have said that we are really going to do it again tonight, but I don't know if I could put any more meaning into saying that today or tonight. We are really going to do it tonight. I'm so excited about our guest We have the honor of introducing a truly remarkable guest. And Augie's going to tell you about Grandmaster Wolf in a minute. But as always, I like to start with gratitude. Thank you for being here. Thank you for showing up for all of our shows, not just the Tuesday night show, but the Sunday night show, the paranormal show at 8 p.m. Eastern, and then the Quantum Wellbeing show, which is a little short, little blip. On Friday evening at seven thirty. Right now, I'm doing uh, um, "Unleashing the Law of Attraction on Weight Release," so it's a little bit more nuts and bolts, practical life, not so mystical. Um, But you're so welcome to join us on all those shows, and you're welcome to join us on Sunday at the Mastermind Connection. It is actually a Zoom meeting where some of the most beautiful hearts and souls come together, and we. Envision the miracles that we want to see in the world and in people and animals around us, and in a bit of a meditative state, a little bit hypnotic, because Augie and I can't take the the hypn- hypnosis training out. So there's a little bit of that in there. We envision the peace in the world. We envision, you know, we not can't necessarily change the course of nature, but. When we do go to that place of no mind, we find ourselves in safe harbor when other things are happening. So we come together as a group think, and we create beautiful things together. If you'd like to join us, just send an email to the mastermindconnection at gmail.com. Augie will send you the link. It's Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m., after the first hour, we have a meeting. Everybody gets their coffee. We hang out and have really great discussions. So, as always, thank you for supporting us yes. through PayPal through PayPal, or through Super Chats. We're always so grateful. And without any further ado from me, Augie, please, please introduce yes. us. Yes, yes, yeah.
0: yes. We have uh, at least two of us here, maybe three. We have coffee in hand and we're ready to go. I... Uh, <clears throat> I am so honored to have Grandmaster Wolf with me because Nori and I have a good friend down in Australia, Monk Mm Sue, and uh, he has told us about uh, Grandmaster Wolf and uh, there's some incredible stories. So uh, we're gonna hear a little bit about that. Tonight will be very special. You will meet someone of his like you probably have never met before. Grandmaster Wolf is a mystic. He has lived in the temples, uh, both in the Himalayas and the remote mountains of China. And after decades of searching and learning from masters before him, like the Dalai Lama, Jiiru Krishna, Muuri, and Master Ni Shinghua, and others, he took his knowledge to the West. And I'm so glad because now he's living in Sweden and we have him right here with us. Grandmaster Wolf has also been a practicing Taoist monk for uh, 40 years and awarded martial art expert for 50 years. And he is a hypnotherapist and uh, served as the head trainer and counselor at both national and international kung fu monasteries, Grandmaster Wolf also uh, helped uh, thousands of people over the decades <clears throat> and developed special therapies for healing and the betterment of the physical, mental, and the spiritual body. So let's hear it from Grandmaster
1: Wolf. Welcome, welcome, GM, welcome.
2: Well, thank you, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's nice to meet you both.
1: Such a pleasure. It's such an honor. So oh. it, is, it is. It is. Well, I've been. <laughs> I've been doing my homework, and I've you know grown to truly appreciate your work. And I, I'm so aware of how little I really know in in this whole existence, but. I'm so grateful to have you here. And and I guess I would love to start with just a beginning question, which has often been on my mind. And what really is a mystic? You know, we hear that word thrown around so much, especially right now. What, from your mm. perspective, is a mystic, GM? A
2: mystic is basically someone who has for whatever reason, no interest in the contemporary, everyday... (laughs) 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 Sorry, I'm sorry. No interest in all of the knowing and knowledges that don't really go anywhere in life. Um, Everyone has in their hearts and in the background of their mind constantly, what's this all about? Why are we here? What's the point? What's the meaning of life? What happens after death? And then they go to work and go home and get drunk and forget the whole kit and caboodle, and no one really ever bothers going into it. Um, for, for myself, that wasn't good enough for me. Um Unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, my upbringing was quite rough, um, you know, quite painful, and quite confusing. And for me, that was enough for me to have more passion behind the question, what the hell is this all about? So at the age of 10 or 11 I stopped going to school my parents thought I was going to school cuz I always put my uniform on but I never went there I went elsewhere and started training myself and studying and wagging school and going to the local library and and teaching myself for many reasons one went very quick by by speech is um I noticed when I was at school listening to my teachers, my teachers would be saying things and I would be seeing the thoughts in my head of what the teacher was saying, but I also saw my brain giving my own meanings to those words. And then I thought, well, aren't I teaching myself here if I'm just listening to my own meaning of these words and not the teacher's meaning? So I thought, I can, I can go without the middleman. Mm. and So I just went straight to the library. Um, yeah, awesome. I, I attribute that to a previous life. I think that um, in a previous life mm-hmm. I had studied and learned how to watch the thoughts and understand the mind, and that little bit was enough. I brought that into this lifetime, and that was enough to kick me off and back to where I left off before. Did that answer your question?
1: Absolutely, it did. Thank yeah. you, and I. I guess the question that comes up from what you said, and it's uh, really a bit of an enigma for me at this point on my journey. How do you not think? <laughs> how do you bypass <laughs> right? How do you bypass that part? you know, how do you bypass the middleman? How does that happen? I mean, is it years of uh, you know, I'm studying and, Trying to, uh, I'm not trying to. I am in the process of self mastery, the very beginning process. It's there's so much, there's so much, Grandmaster. There's so much to learn, and that that it's like that that piece that's in the way, it's like a trap door, you know. And I, I keep thinking, if I could just pry it open, <laughs> how does that cool. happen?
2: We call it the head. It's a hedge. When there's a beautiful house, if you're walking down the street and there's a beautiful house built on the side of the street, but they have a 10-foot hedge between you and the house, you can't see the beauty of the house, Um, even though people live there. And it's the same. When you are born, that's like the house. But then people start putting names and labels and opinions and judgments into this little baby, and, and a hedge grows of thought between you and the outside world, and then it's all guesswork after that. Mm-hmm. And so that hedge is your thought process. To answer your question directly, it's not about stopping your thoughts. Really, it, that's a little bit of a um, a misdirection in terminology. You need your brain to think; otherwise, you would walk into danger all the time. You need your brain to think. However. You don't have to constantly be watching what it's thinking. You see, you won't stop your brain from thinking because it's a brain and that's what it does. You won't (laughs) stop a liver from filtering because that's what it does. So the trick is if you can watch and know when you're thinking and you can watch and know when you're not thinking, then you are not your thoughts. And thought has nothing to do with you. So stopping your thoughts won't do anything for you. What's the point in that? If you can sit back in your mind and watch your thoughts, and you are obviously something in there watching those thoughts. You are not the thoughts. You are something watching them. So what is stopping those thoughts going to do for you? Nothing. Waste your time. Life after life after life. Learn to ignore them. And don't... there's only one way to say what I'm going to say, and it's not derogatory by any means. A fool will spend lifetime after lifetime trying to stop, get rid of, distract themselves from anything that annoys them. A spiritual warrior will train themselves not to be annoyed,
0: mm-hmm.
2: save lifetimes after lifetime after lifetime. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah yes, yes. Well, so, in uh, that will...
2: don't be annoyed by your thoughts let them do what they want to do pay them no attention until you need them at that point why do you need to stop them
1: the, no that thank you that that helped me so yeah. much but uh... I one more dovetail question y- you were talking about <laughs> This is this is huge in my my world. You were talking about the um the maneuver that masters do when you're training, where they stop your heart, right? The vagus nerve. And you in fact stopped thinking during that time when your heart stopped. And I think you said something like it's something you really want to get to know. Like the the inference to me was that it was actually, you know, not frightening or a lot of the things that uh, in the West, you know, we're, we're taught to think about our heart stopping. Can you speak to that? Hmm.
2: Sure. Where would you like me to start? <laughs> How so, to
1: do it? Well, I, I can't imagine you f- you, you couldn't. And you explained it that you didn't really feel anything because you weren't there, you were no longer there, right? Your heart had stopped, your brain had stopped, and you don't have thought. Yet when you came back, you had the sense that it was pleasant or not unpleasant, or I'm not sure if I'm if I'm praising my question. No, exactly. properly.
2: I, I, know, I know what you're saying. Occasionally, things that I know come up in my mind in Chinese or in Tibetan, and it takes me for the moments to switch that into English.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Okay. You can't think of something you don't know. You have to know it before you can think it. If I ask you to think of a motor car, if you don't know what a motor car is, you can't turn that into a thought. You can't create a picture because you don't know what it is. So you can't think of something you don't know. So you know it first, and the knowing is invisible. And this is why the monkey we inhabit has to turn the knowing into picture form so it can get its little head around it. This is the ego I'm talking about now. A very, very quick, for instance, think of someone that you love very much. Okay? How do you know you love them? Doesn't require thinking, doesn't require pictures. You just know. You don't yeah. have to think about it. You don't have to put it into words. You don't have to analyze it. You just know. Do you love this person? Yes. How do you know? I just know. Of course, you do. That's no. an example of knowing something without having to think about it. In the same way, you know what a motor car is, but that knowing is invisible until someone asks you about it and then your knowing will jump gaps from an invisible dimension, which is the spiritual dimension, mind. That's all invisible. It jumps the gap into the interface machine, which is your brain. Your brain will turn the knowing into a picture. Another part of your brain will turn that picture into a grunt. And then if you and I have studied the same grunt manual, which would be the English language in this case, I should be able to turn your grunt back into the same picture that you've got, and this is how we communicate. Before all that happens, that's all in the brain. You are something in there watching that. And the knowing, the invisible knowing, is absolutely 100% at your disposal. But we are trained not to look for knowing. We are trained to look for the thought process. Now the mind that you inhabit, it's not physical, it's not made of matter, it can't die, it doesn't rot, it doesn't decay, it's that part of you that goes on forever. You look at your body since you were born, your body may be older, you have wrinkles, your hair is not the same colour, your eyes may not seem the same anymore, but the awareness of that has not changed since the day you were born. It hasn't slowed down, your awareness hasn't gotten old. It hasn't gotten less that's a part of you that never changes it's a part of you that goes on forever now that part of you that is that mind has been in a hundred billions before it was in your head and it retains all of the knowing that it has ever learned through all of those creatures and those forms that it has been learning about itself through and when you stop engaging life from your thought process which is your ego and you start engaging life from that pure knowing all the information from all of those millions of creatures that you have ever inhabited as mind starts to leak into your brain and this is the unlimited knowledge that you have access to also known as the akashic records
1: is that our
2: spirit what you asked me so you know there we
1: go <laughs> oh, that, that was, it was perfect yeah <laughs> is that knowing our spirit yes yes thank
0: you yeah thank you. that makes sense and what you just said here also about the 100 million times have you and maybe also how can we Or have you made the bridge to previous existences so you found out what you did before you were born and some of the stuff that you experienced and lives that you had before? Have you observed and discovered some of that?
2: This is my third lifetime that I remember at the moment. There may be more, there may not be more, but when I say lifetime, I'm talking lifetime of a wave on the ocean the wave will come and go and you'll think well that was the lifetime of the wave but the actual ocean that is the wave as well that's still there and it's always there so for me at the moment I I can remember two previous lifetimes in human form this is my third one Uh, a lot of my problems as a youngster I think probably was that i was having memories at the age of nine i was having memories that weren't mine i was having adult memories and i used to speak about things that i shouldn't have known about and i i guess this really scared the hell out of my father and he had no way of dealing with it other than good old alcoholic scottish violence oh. <laughs> That's what I got from it, mm-hmm. but uh, you know it didn't stop me. It's
1: <laughs> fine. So, uh, GM, when uh, when it didn't work out at home for all those reasons, and you were sent to the monastery, you had to wait outside of the monastery for a, a, quite a while. And I, every time I think about that, you know, I think about this. I guess adolescent, right? Teenage boy who was outside in a foreign land just waiting. What inner resources helped you during that time? Or how was that?
2: I wasn't being beaten up.
1: No. That was enough. Ah, I see. (laughs) That was that was an aha moment. Okay, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, that was everything.
2: <laughs> no, it was worth it. It was worth it. I, it the, if I said to you, if I could say to you right now, if you could sit out in a certain place for two weeks, at the end of that two weeks, I will show you immortality. And introduce you to the original mind in all things. Would you sit there for two weeks? Absolutely. Would that be easy for you?
0: Oh, I'll be there a month waiting for you.
1: There you
2: go. There's your answer <laughs> threefold.
1: Amazing. Amazing. So I have some questions that stem a little bit from years of being a registered nurse and. Um, You know, I I had an interesting childhood uh, that led me to be in the trauma, the burn in the trauma ICU, had a lot of trauma in my early life and saw a lot, you know, in that setting. There was always that conversation about the unseen world, that there were spirits waiting for the person to die. <laughs> and mm. And I often wondered about that, especially later in my career when I moved into hospice and you know helped people in that capacity. What are they waiting for? I mean, do they inhabit this, the, do they take the soul or what really happens there, GM?
2: This will upset a lot of people. I'm sure. (laughs) Are you okay with that?
1: Yes. The truth is good.
2: If you take a litre of water and pour it into an ice cube tray and freeze it and make ice cubes and then pour the ice cubes onto the table, you you could... give the analogy that that's a family of ice cubes because they all came from the same litre of water and they all share, share the same fluid. Yeah. When they die, when let's say you melt, let's say you, you've made a dozen ice cubes and that's the family that we're looking at right now. Let's say nine of those ice cubes melt as an analogy to death. And then eventually you're the only ice cube left and now it's your turn to melt and you're going to go back into that same litre of water that all the rest of them went into. Now the observer watching that will just see you melt back into a litre of water and there's no longer any separation. But each ice cube for a moment in the ice cube tray, had a completely different viewpoint to all the other 11 ice cubes because it was separated momentarily. So when you go back into that liter of original water that used to be 12 ice cubes, you have a familiarity. there. Are, you, you would have 11 familiar, blah, familiar feelings, let me say it that way. <laughs> yeah. And, and as, as water mingles through you, that used to be ice cube number three in the rack, which might have been, let's say, one of your siblings. You would feel a recognition as that piece of water went through you, because at some point you shared a moment in time as ice cubes from the same tray in the same freezer, etc. So that's what that is. That's the best I can say. It. Thank you. Um, there is only one at the end of the day let's say a dozen waves come and go on the ocean and a dozen waves they've gone back down now they've flattened out onto the ocean can you say that they've disappeared that they've gone anywhere no they're not they don't look like waves anymore but they haven't evaporated they're, they're still in the ocean if you take if you take a cup of water out of the ocean and freeze it and then throw it back into the ocean, and then it melts, can you say that it's gone? No, it hasn't. It's, it's still there. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't look like an ice cube anymore. So you, you never, ever, ever get away from the oneness of life. It just simply isn't possible. So when you die and you see these pictures at the other end of the tunnel or wherever you see them, you have it. it it's half spiritual and half physical. When you die for the first 30 minutes you are still producing brain waves your brain yep. is still thinking and doing all sorts of things spiritually though because you have your body has died you are feeling this familiarity as you seep out of the meat and back into the spiritual realm but because your brain is still connected at that moment it's turning that familiarity those familiar feelings into pictures and those pictures are gonna pop up as your sister, your grandmother, your auntie, your uncle, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So I'm not saying it's not the case, I'm not saying it is the case. I'm saying that you do reunite with the original. You do re- reunite with the original. I shall leave that there. And um, shit. I don't know. I don't think I can add anything to
0: that. that so is, that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> thank you,
1: thank you, thank you. It was. It was I
0: got an uh, got incredible. an addition, uh, an addition to that. There is a saying, and I uh, I want to hear you if you think it is true, and that is that nobody dies alone. Could it be nobody
2: dies alone, and everyone dies alone? Depends yeah. how you want to look at it. Yeah, the it- alone comes from the monkey brain. The, the the body that we inhabit, the animal that we inhabit, that's the alone bit. The oneness of all things is the spiritual side of it. Um, it's very, very difficult for this monkey to get its head around spirituality. Yeah, It, it makes up shit all the time <laughs> because the thought process is a physiological phenomenon. It's purely there for survival reasons. It's purely there to be able to recognize and discern when your body is in trouble, when it is in danger, and if there's a possibility that you are going to be dismembered, that's what it's for. How to feed itself, how to procreate itself, how to keep itself safe, Mm -hmm. that's what it does. No different to an automatic car these days, a car that has sensors in it. It can drive itself. It can pretty much back up and plug itself in We have vacuum cleaners that can plug themselves in and recharge themselves. So matter is like that. It recharges itself. It looks after itself. And therefore, its thoughts are very limited. Thoughts are made of matter. Thoughts are made of electrical impulses and chemicals. So your thoughts are designed primarily to understand matter. Now, matter is limited. Thoughts are limited. The psychology is limited by time. It's limited by delineation. It's limited by the fact that you're going to die one day. So it's going to run out of time. It's limited emotionally. Um, And it's limited by not understanding the difference between real and unreal anymore. It's lost that ability. So to get that thing to try and understand spirit or mind which is limitless it is not made of matter it is not delineated it's not locatable that is like trying to eat soup with a sledgehammer it's the wrong tool it won't work this is why if you're going to study mysticism enlightenment you've got to get out of the monkey brain yeah let it do what it does it's going to look after itself it's going to survive it's going to do all the things that matter should do while you're inhabiting it. But it ain't going to follow you into the spiritual realm because it doesn't know how, and it doesn't even know what you are. When you're in there meditating, you can take any thought and break it in half and look into it, and there's nothing in that thought. It's data. It doesn't know you're in there looking at it. There's no idea that you're even there. It's a dead thing. So it's never going to understand spirituality. So what you have to do, first port a call, get out of your brain, and then everything else comes in a
0: very quick Could we have your comment on the thousands of people that have had near-death experiences? They find themselves most of them or many going through that tunnel and meeting their mom that passed over at the other end and there is love there's a phenomenal feeling of love even before or during the tunnel or after can you comment on this
2: that love is there before you die you don't have to die to feel that the only reason it becomes so intense is because you've left You've left the ego. The ego keeps you separate from everything. The ego, which is a bunch of thoughts, creates this delusion and illusion of fragmented, a fragmented part of the universe. It it, it keeps you separate from the oneness of all things. It It makes you, it thinks it is, An individual, unconnected, fragmented piece of life, and that's how it sees itself. Therefore, it will wage war against anything else that's not it. It will steal from other things. All of these things we do to each other is due to the fact that we all think we are separate, individual entities that have to protect ourselves and compete against every other little fragment. And it simply isn't the case. And that bars you from love. As a small baby, you just, you're born full of joy and love. Absolutely. unless you're hungry and that's a different matter, but usually as a baby, it's all happy, happy, joy, joy. And until the ego grows and then that wonderful internal joy disappears. And we spend the rest of our lives trying to replace it with pleasure yeah
1: that's so true
2: and that's what yeah. people separate so that love and that joy that you feel you if you ask if you know about an astral if you ever get out of your body you that joy is immediately there because that's what you are when you leech out of the body that happiness is constantly there. The joy is constantly there. It's always there. That's what mind is made of, love, consciousness, joy, and awareness. They are the ingredients yeah. of mind. And as soon as you leave the body, pop, mm-hmm. it's all back there again. Usually, though, in my experience, and a couple of thousand people I know that I've been with through their death, when you die on a regular basis, as was the practice that we used to do we used to do it five times a week which we got into a lot of trouble for because we weren't meant to but anyway (laughs) when you see the lights at the end of the tunnel you have three options when you leave your body the lights at the end of the tunnel when you get there you will find that that is your new mother's vagina basically the first thing you're going to see isn't saint peter it's going to be a nurse and she's going to hold you and put you on your mother's belly, your new mother. Because you've trained yourself not to lose consciousness through your death process, you'll remember dying. you remember who you were. you remember the birth process, and you'll remember the whole gamut. At that point, you've become what's known as a rippleshade. You no longer fall unconscious at your death, and then you start to remember each life as you go through them without any break. It's very easy to do. Well, it's easy to know and understand, but it takes a little practice. I've actually just done a tutorial on a thing called the death room, which no one outside of monasteries has ever heard of. Would Mm. you like an exclusive?
1: Yes, please. Mm. (laughs) Mm.
2: There is a practice where you can leave your body and you can go into the astral realm and you create what's called the mystic's cave. We're talking about the Akashic realm here. So you live your body, you go into the Akashic realm and you create this cave. And in the bottom of the cave, sorry, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. As a mystic's cave, you go in there and you have candles going, you have a mirror in there, you do all of your magic in there. It's a magical workshop that you've created where your ego can't come in and screw things up for you. You leave your ego in a body in a bed somewhere, and you go here absolutely clean and free of all of that, and you create your blueprints, which eventually will manifest in your physical world within 28 days, a moon cycle usually. Uh, That's just nature. That's just how it happens. And you can use that for your entire life, and no one can ever touch that or do anything with it. It's akin to the memory palace that some people use. Now as a death room, it is also called the death room. And this is my favorite because what you do here is when you perceive it's your time to die, you lay in your deathbed or wherever you may be. And you go into this forest and you go into your room and in the floor of your room, there's a beautiful bath thousands of years old built into the stone floor of this room and it's full of hot water and the steam comes off the water like little silver dragons and they float up to the ceiling and mix with the the incense smoke and what have you. So you go in there and you lay down in this bath and you just float and you soak and it's just absolutely wonderful and you can feel this bath drawing like a poultice it draws and absorbs all the negativity that you've that you've absorbed through your lifetime in this particular incarnation all the negativity all the toxins all the emotional badness it all gets drawn out and when you're ready you just lay there with your eyes closed and you will perceive that your physical body has just died you'll perceive that it has just gone through its death process and now it's safe for you to get up out of the bath and walk out and see what awaits. And wow. that is the most peaceful way to die and it's totally in your control. And that's the mystic's way.
0: Yeah, to, to get out of there and get educated again and uh, get your memory back. And, oh, that's going to get interesting.
2: There's actually uh, something Here, here's another one for you, and a lot of people are going to hate this one, but oh well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's okay.
2: That's all right. Well, what you can do well, is it's
1: controversial. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you locate a coma hospital. Now, this isn't just me. This is this happens. You locate a coma hospital. You locate a young person, let's say thirty years old. Who has vacated this person for all intent and purposes? The brain is fine, the body is fine, there's just no one home and they're not coming back. Yeah. You keep that one on ice and you keep going in and make sure that it's still there. If that family goes in and has the machines turned off, then you go and you find another coma victim. It's like going to a second hand car yard. Okay. So you locate the victim. And then um, should circumstances arise that you have a very, very short space of time to arrange yourself because you've just been hit by a truck and your legs have fallen off and you're bleeding to death real quick. You leave your body and you go and find the coma victim and you possess the body. It is now yours. You've just taken hmm. You will, You absorb some of the memories of the previous occupant but all of your knowing that you turn into thoughts is still with you. And as soon as you enter into that brain, all of your knowing turns into picture form and your ego reproduces itself in that new body. And lo and behold, to all the nurses and doctors, oh my God, Joe just woke up.
1: Right. That's <laughs> right. Wow. That, so that, that Go is. On. Like- Go on. Go on. That is what they're calling walk ins now. That's the new term for that. Yeah. Okay. Well,
2: that's that's, that's a very real practice. And that's. Wow. Yeah. Back in the old days, it it even went further than that. But. Really? Probably best we don't go into
1: that. You know, I I always wondered with the patients that were in comas whether I was really talking to them or not, you know, because I would. I would always use energy on and speak to them and, and you know, offer them There's the more, truth. Sorry?
2: There is more than the person you're talking to is listening yeah. to you. They, yeah. they can hear you, but it's not just them. It echoes. It's like on the other side, it's like if you were walking up a street and some young person had their windows in their house wide open and they're playing their music so loud everyone on the street can hear it, when you are talking to a coma victim on the other side in their world, uh, it, it's very loud wow. and there are other entities can yeah. also listen in and hear what you're saying. It, it's, it's not a bad thing by any means. You've right. got to understand that in the dead realm there's no such thing as evil, there's no such thing as negative or nasty. That shit goes with the brain. Mm. Nasty people are only nasty because... They're creatures. Yeah. 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 Once you leave your brain, a creature is someone who reacts from a thought immediately. They just react from a thought or they react to, to a, an emotion. And when I say react, the emotion or the thought comes up and they just turn around and punch their partner. Or they'll turn around and punch a hole in the wall. Or they'll kick the kid or the dog. Or they'll, they're creatures. Yes. Yes, human being is someone that's learned not to be like that.
1: Yeah,
2: I want to learn how to.
0: I want to tell you something about another mystic I know, Nori. I didn't discuss. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't discuss this with her, but when I visited her. Uh, She had a spoon, actually there was a couple of them, two or three, uh, maybe two, spoon laying on her kitchen counter, but they didn't look like spoons anymore. They were curled up in a ball, and she bent those spoons with her mind, Mm. and I have also heard there is a rumor about you that you have bent metal or steel, uh, some small steel bars or spoons with your mind. I am really interested in finding out what happens in our mind that make you capable of doing this. Wow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're doing it all the time. <clears throat> Let's say right at this moment, I, I take you, Argi, spirit, completely take you out of your body. Your body goes flop. It's dead. Can't move. It's just going to go stiff and rotten. Put Argi back in there, body comes back. It's alive again. So whatever you are in there has the ability to bend meat with your mind. You are actually psychokinetically moving your body. So you're already doing it, but that's not the question you asked. I know it's not the answer you're looking for. The answer you're looking for is this. Your ego will have you, you know. Not you. The ego thinks it is a separate individual fragment from everything else. And because of that concept, it can't see any possibility. It cannot see any way of how you could affect something that you're not connected to ESP. How is it yeah. possible that I can read your mind? Cause you're nowhere near me and we're not connected mm. that concept will stop you from doing everything and anything spiritually and powerfully, and that keeps you controllable by the powers that be. If you learn to put your ego aside, turn it off when need be, ignore it when necessary, however you want to do it, it's as simple as when you have no self, no thought of self, no thought of other, Suddenly, you are the spoon, you are the bending, you are the bender, all at one moment. There is nothing here in the hedge indicating that you are a separate, unattached fragment from the rest of it. So, once you stop creating thoughts that fragment you and separate you, what is left is oneness. Oneness. At that moment, the moment, there is no thought, you are the spoon. There's nothing stopping you from being the spoon. There's nothing separating you anymore. And the spoon is no different to your finger. And you can bend the spoon just like you're bending your finger. But as soon as you have a notion that it is agi trying to twist the spoon, you don't have a hope in hell. This is not possible given those beliefs. That you are a fragmented entity.
1: Mm.
2: If you if you want to go back twenty billion years, but I've done this a few times with people. If you want to go back twenty billion years, I can explain why everything is what it is and how it works. But you know, it's up to you.
1: Is that yeah? Maybe. Yeah, is that referring to the Big Bang or whatever? Is... Oh,
2: way before that. Way you know, before that it. came.
1: Not a
2: good historian, yes. Do you, do you want to
1: do it? Yes, please. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all righty. Um, Let's go back before the Big Bang. Let's go back before matter and all the rest of that. So there's no dust, there's no nothing, there's nothing. Just space. Now we know scientifically that space is a thing. We now know that space is conscious. Um, We know that space has substance. The fact that you can punch a hole in space means that there's something there because you you wouldn't be able to punch a hole in it otherwise. But there's black holes all over the place. So space is a thing. You can punch holes in it. It's constantly creating subatomic particles. They call that the Higgs boson. But anyway, blah, blah, blah. So you have this thing, space, consciousness, awareness, no matter, though. And it's there in all directions forever. Now, you imagine if you were floating there as pure mind and you didn't have a brain or any thoughts or any body yet, how would you know you were there? And of course, you wouldn't. You need to see something to imply that you're there seeing it. And that's how you know you're there. So until that point, eternal space had absolutely no idea that it existed, eternal mind, space, same thing. Also now we know scientifically that any substance, when it becomes thick enough and dense enough, it starts to light up, it reaches critical mass, which is something that happens just before a nuclear explosion. So this mind thing somewhere out there in space, And it wouldn't have been a centre because there has to be a periphery to measure a centre from and there's no periphery out in space. So there's no centre. So somewhere it would have gotten so thick and so dense that space mind stuff would have just started to light up somewhere. And then the rest of the universal mind can now go, I am. What am I? I don't know. I'm invisible. Tonex just realised it exists doesn't know anything about itself and it can't see itself, conundrum. So first port of call, bang, now it makes matter. Whether that was the big bang or whether he got it from a Walmart, who knows. But matter came along, covers the universe, now it can see itself. It looks like you and me and whales and planets and galaxies. This is what it looks like when you can see it and we are all everything is a thought in that mind and this is how it thinks things up anyway so now you have this mind stuff and it has covered itself over in the same way if you were to throw a bucket of paint over casper the ghost you can now see the ghost you can see what it looks like and what it does and what its characteristics are and whether it loves or hates everything about the ghost you can now see and in the same way, the universe can now see itself and it's watching itself through you and me and Aggie and trees and whales and worms and aliens and other dimensional beings. These are all, all this one mind watching itself, not only through two eyes, it's a spider as well. So now it can see itself through eight eyes. That's another viewpoint. There are creatures with one eye. There are creatures with no eyes. You know, and it's, it's, a, it's learning about itself through every possible means that it can conjure up and until it has become and been every single possible thing that could possibly be, it doesn't know itself completely. So it's going to keep going until it has covered everything. So what have we got? Anything and everything you look at now that it is alive is a glove on this thing, this animating force that is in all things. Now, when you sit back in correct meditation and you are watching your thoughts you are that thing watching thoughts you are that thing watching matter you are that thing that is inside you the body will come and go but that thing is always there in everything and you have absolute access to it but only when you start to identify with it well if you identify with the monkey you inhabit the matter that you inhabit, if you identify with that, that means that every time you put on a three-piece suit, you think that that suit is you. (laughs) Okay. So everything now, if you imagine yourself as being a sea sponge underneath the ocean, and the ocean represents that universal mind, you can see that the mind is, the ocean is in the sponge, and the sponge is in the ocean the ocean made the sponge and when the sponge dies, it will go back into the ocean. The mind is in you and you are in the mind and it's an ocean. So it doesn't matter how many bodies come and go, that mind is never moved. It's always there creating more and more forms in order to know itself deeper and deeper and more and more. And compared to eternity, 20 billion years isn't even a fetus yet. Mm. So that's how young life is. It doesn't know what it is. It's just enjoying itself unfolding. And you're missing all of that because we get caught up in these pathetic drama queenery bullshit things (laughs) (laughs) that That we call a human life. (laughs)
0: Yeah, we know how that works. And actually, so quantum mechanics is correct then when they say we live in a mind-created universe. Yes,
2: yes, yes, yes. And it is a hologram, but in the same way that every thought in your brain right now is also a hologram in that way. It's not a hologram inside a computer. It's a hologram in the mind of life. That's That's the only bit the scientists have got wrong. Hmm.
1: Yep. Wow. That was very <laughs> captivating. Thank you. I, I have a really? question. <laughs> very satisfying. Ow. Well, it was confused, oh. you know, and it, again, it, it it brings me back to how little I really know, but you know, there's something about that GM when, you know, when you just roll it out, there's something that's so satisfying. I don't know i mean
2: well you can see it while i'm saying it it's not a yeah. belief. it's Satis- you don't go oh wow that's a, that's an interesting belief you don't do that you go oh yeah i can see that
1: Satis- yes. big
2: difference
1: yes so- i, I a
2: mystic will never talk about anything that he or she thinks a mystic will only ever talk about what they've experienced
0: Here's something I want. I want to ask you. And that about three years ago, I think uh, Nori and I interviewed a Catholic priest whose name was Father Tiso. He was commissioned by the Catholic Church to go to Tibet and into India because he heard heard rumors that they were in the monasteries they had ascension parties. Basically, they people could ascend and take the physical body with them. And he went there. It took him a year to find the right connection where he could be able to find this information. And yes, he found that is true. People are descending. And he have pictures on his website of physical bodies that were disappearing. And the only thing they left behind was a little bit of hair and teeth and anything. You could fit a huge man in a little bucket by the time, or they could disappear into light and be gone. And he came back with the evidence to the Catholic Church, and of course, they don't talk about this. But what are your? I I don't even know what to ask. But could you come? <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm
0: loving this. Know. This is fantastic. <laughs> Have you seen anything like this?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've seen. It. Look, when I was about 16 and I, I had been ordained for a few years at that point, I went and sat in a room with a man. He was about 80 years old, maybe more. Don't ask me about dates and ages because I don't remember anymore. I don't care. He was old and he was a man and he had a long, gray beard and he was very, very well respected and powerful, and I'd never heard of him in my life. So I got taken in, and we sat with this man for about an hour, and then someone came to me and said, okay, we're ready, and I'm thinking, ready for what? I don't know, I didn't even know why I'm here, so we're sitting there, and these students walked around and started lighting copious amounts of incense, and the room filled up with incense, Eyes are burning. It was really bad. And this old man, he sat in the middle of the room and he focused his mind and pictured in his mind, and this was so we all knew that it was him, he pictured in his mind something that you wouldn't normally see. So he pictured a unicorn about as big as a Shetland pony. And he focused his entire mind on this thing and all of the smoke in the room went <laughs> and became a unicorn. Not another speck of dust or smoke in the whole room. It had clumped together and formed around the thought picture, the thought form that this old man was projecting. And for about a minute, there was a unicorn walking around the room, clippity-clop, clippity-clop. You could touch it on the back if you wanted to. Someone in the back coughed very loudly and he lost his concentration. And the unicorn went, poof, 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 and the room was full of smoke again. Wow. That's the power of the mind. Wow. wow. Nikola Tesla could do a similar thing. Yeah. So what you're talking about is the opposite. What you're talking about is the ability to evaporate matter. If, if it was an incomplete evaporation, there would be teeth and hair and all sorts of things laying around on the floor. But if you do it correctly, the molecules will fall apart down to an atomic level. And that would seem like a complete disappearance or it would seem like an evaporation. But yeah, it happens. There's, the mind created our sun. The mind creates black holes. The mind creates everything that has ever been and ever will be. My God, to evaporate a monkey's body is nothing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's so good. That's so Man, good. you got
2: to come and live my world for a week.
1: I would love that. So I have... Um two more questions and I don't, I, I don't even actually I have a million more questions if I'm honest but because, well, let's do some
2: more interviews
1: yes we're running out of time but um so to speak right <laughs> um.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah that one I'm not even gonna answer that Yeah, no, let's keep going but what I'm saying is Nori if you want to I'm very happy to do more of these oh that uh, would be wonderful Yeah, I love it. We could even get a little course of something going if you wanted to.
1: I would love that. I would love that. Mm. So in addition to the walk-ins, like that's the new language for what's happening in that part of the spiritual community, um, you know, which is a whole thing. It's a whole big thing now. It's amazing to me. Um, Everybody seems to be channeling. You know, bringing in other thought forms that they say are not them. In the medical arena, people might call that schizophrenic. (laughs) What is it really? What is it really?
2: Misunderstanding, misconception. It's, what are you channeling? Uh, Let's take it back, look. If I told you one thing only, and that was the story about mind, creating matter in order for it to be able to see itself, if you do nothing else in your life but think of the implications of what that means, that's enough because everything is that mind. That mind is in all things, obviously. It's not a belief. Just sit down and think about it for five minutes. It just answers everything. It's scientifically demonstrable that that is the case. So what the hell are you channeling? There would have to be another universe for there to be other beings. Uh, uh, You see what I mean? The universe is one entity. It's on its own. And everything in that universe, it is in and That's all there is to it. So whatever you're channeling, it's just another aspect of that. It's another aspect of not you, Nori, not you, Agi, you, the universe. There is nothing else to channel but self, other parts of self. If I conjure up, if I sat in a room with you and got you to conjure up some anger, We just conjured up something that you could go, oh, that wasn't me. That's not like me at all. That's That was something else took over me. No, it wasn't. Don't be an asshole. You conjured up anger. You've been angry enough times in your life to know what it feels like to the point where you can conjure it up if you want to. If you wanted to be foolish and if you wanted to kid yourself You could say, I just channeled a very angry entity.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. Life life is nowhere near as complicated as what is being made on
1: YouTube, believe you. Understood.
0: Yeah, I understand as an aspect of yourself. But could it also be possibly that maybe the fourth ice cube? had a little different experience than the first ice cube, and the the fourth one is now talking through the first ice cube.
2: Yes, but you are still part of the same leader.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. See what I mean about the implications? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: You just look at it. Who am I... If you've got your head around the fact that you are the universe, and there is an exercise I could give you that makes this so apparent, you would immediately stop identifying with Agi as Aggie and Nori as Nori. You would start to identify with the universe as being you. Whenever you say me, I, or myself, you would be speaking for the universe, and that's where you would go with it. So I forgot what I was getting at with that. I'm so very sorry. but gee, You were it would have been talking
1: about channeling and the third ice cube talking through the first one.
2: Right, the implications. So let's say you identify with that huge, enormous universal mind as you now. You no longer see yourself as the body or the ego or Agi or Nori. And then someone comes up and says, how oh, do I do channeling? Different entities from completely different places, not with connection whatsoever. You you would think of the implications. Okay, how, how is that possible? There is only one mind. That one mind permeates through all of the dimensions, all of the different galaxies and planets and dimensions and everything. It's the one mind. So, who are you channeling? You say, you don't need to ask me. Once you understand that you are this one universe, you don't need to ask me. You don't need to ask the Dalai Lama. You don't need to ask anyone. You look at the implications of the truth that you know. And if what you've just heard doesn't fit into that, then it's bullshit. Yeah. Study. Okay. Become your own master. That is the key to self mastery and self knowing. When I first first learned that I that was 30 years ago I've never read a book since
0: yeah I like that explanation wow. of the leader of water that's where it all come from
1: mm. yeah oh great wolf well, thank you this thank you we we went over a little bit but it's uh so so wonderful and I want to be respectful of your time. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for for you, everything that you've shared tonight and uh and oh, so much more. I feel like I feel like I don't know. I feel like there's some magic mixed in there, Grandmaster Wolf. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah, this, this was wonderful. Would you like um, to say some magic?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Next time,
1: okay, okay, <laughs> it's a deal. What
0: about <laughs>
1: <laughs> keep us on the edge of our seat? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank yeah, you come, so much.
0: Well, look, well,
2: well, guys, I've had this. Has been fantastic. Yeah. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I love you guys. You really, really oh, cool. this was good. Right, okay. right from here,
1: so much love. Yeah,
0: but I, would,
2: I would love to do this again.
0: I'd love to have you back and visit us, but and we'll we'll hold you to that magic. That that that'll really be good.
2: <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. I'll show you a little yeah. bit of mind over matter. We'll do something.
0: Oh, that'd be great. That sounds great. Okay. Well, thank you,
1: everybody, for being here with us. I, I told you we were going there and we so did. Thank you, Grandmaster Wolf. Thank you, everybody, for being with us. We'll see you again next week and we'll see Grandmaster in the not too distant future. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.